Hey, what's up, TT Nation? It's Josiah. Uh, before we hop into the show, just wanted to mention I've been posting a lot over on LinkedIn and I've uh, been just building connections over there. And if we haven't connected yet, I would love for you to just reach out to me or shoot me a connection request over on LinkedIn. Just search for Josiah Novak and you'll find my profile. It's just my face with a yellow background. So shoot me a connection request and I'd love to just uh, hang out with you over on LinkedIn if you're on that platform. Um, and without further ado, let's jump into the podcast. Hey, it's Josiah Novak and welcome to the True Transformation Podcast, the top fitness podcast for men who want to get ripped, naturally boost testosterone levels and use fitness as a tool to not only look and feel better, but improve all areas of life in the process. Welcome to the show. Buckle up. Life moves fast. Let's make it count. Yeah, so dude, I, I hate to start with this. <laughs> But I saw, and this will probably, you're probably already kicking ass and you're training ready to get your world record back. But I saw somebody broke your mile time, I think, in deck a mile. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I don't think anyone would ever break that because I, I mean, 17, what was your record? 1740 or something like that? 1748 was my time, which I didn't really know how much faster was even possible in something like that. I believe that I could go under 1730. But then when I saw Ryland hit, low 17. I was just, honestly, my first reaction was there's no way. Yeah. Um, I was very kind of pessimistic about the whole thing, which really isn't my attitude typically, but I was just kind of like, I knew what it took to do 1740 something, the amount of time that I've been involved in my fitness or something like that. And then for somebody, a great athlete like Ryland, but doesn't have much experience in the hybrid space. So for him to come in and do that, I think my initial reaction was like, there's no way that's possible. <laughs> And I like I started looking at flights to go to Utah to where he did his deck a mile because I'm like, man, I'm going to that gym. I'm gonna yeah. go get my record back. Go do the so, quarter mile, which is really what it is. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, Ryland's Ryland's a great athlete. I think he's coming to West Palm and I'm kinda I'm really looking forward to to racing him and just seeing that's the thing with these affiliates. They put on these events and every setup is, you know, the concept is the same, but every setup is a little bit differently, but I think him and I are very similar in a lot of ways. And, um, I think it's going to be a good battle. Um, I don't expect the win by like a minute or 90 seconds. Like I did in, in Chicago. I think these guys are coming for me and that kind of keeps me hungry. It keeps the training exciting and know, knowing that like, like you may be on top now, but you know, somebody's always trying to come for your spot. Yeah, dude. You're talking to the number seven decamile <laughs> in the world, <laughs> which, which a blistering 20 minute decamile is what I put oh, down. Man. But dude, 17, anything with 20. I mean, I went to the pain cave in, in a really deep and, and disturbing way to hit 20, uh, at least in my head. And I can't even fathom your time alone was enough to like blow my mind. And now I'm like, wait a second, someone actually beat that. Like I never thought that that record would fall. It's just absolutely insane. Yeah, it's super fast. And I've broken 18 twice. And both times that I did it, I had two completely different race strategies. Whereas the first time I went 1754 and I really managed my effort from start to finish. Like I never over revved at any point. It was almost like if you had an hourglass and you flipped it upside down and right when that race ends is right when the hourglass runs out. Like you managed your effort 
perfectly. And then the second time I did it where I went a few seconds faster, it was almost like I used the, like an interstate analogy. Like when the first race I did, it was almost like I set it on cruise control and I was just going down the highway at like a nice, even pace. And then the second time I did it, it was almost like driving through the city where I was like punching the gas and then backing off, punching the gas and backing off. It was a more painful way to do it, but I was able to improve my time by a couple seconds. So yeah, there was, it was two completely different ways to go about the race and kind of the same result in the end. So it kind of makes me wonder because my training going into each one of those deck of miles was a little bit different. The, the latter one was most recent. I was focusing a lot on like CrossFit style Metcons, just high intensity, you know, functional fitness. And then the first deck of mile I was, I did under 18, it was more, I was training for high rocks. And I basically just went in with, with my high rocks fitness and, and did the deck of mile. So yeah, it was just like two completely different experiences. Yeah. When you say manage your energy, I know a lot of people are like, well, <laughs> how do I do that? Because <laughs> you know, they get into these races and they're like, dude, the, you know, I mean, I, I just did the, a deck of fit in Jersey this past weekend. It's like, you're feeling great. And then you hit like, I don't know, the ski or something. And you're just like, all management goes out the window. <laughs> you're right. like, all right, I mean, I'm dying. Like, right. Right. And you have to tinker with it in training. Like you need to find a pace where you can do those box jump step overs at an efficient, but not an exhausting pace. And the same with the rower, those earlier stations, you're really, you have to fight the urge to push early on. And I think most people have difficulty doing that. Maybe they just don't have a ton of experience and just these type of events, but it's, it's something you have to play with in training. I know what paces for literally every zone I can do while also keeping my heart rate at a, at a manageable effort. And I know if I you know speed up a little bit on any zone, it's going to probably tip me over. And it's just, it's all practice, man. I mean, it's just like anything else. It's just practice. Yeah. So early on in your athletic career, what, what, what sports did you play? I mean, I know you're out in Denver now. Did you, did you start out in yeah. Denver? Like, have you always been at altitude? No, no. I, I was born in, in Virginia. Oh, really? What, what part of Virginia? Yeah, like Norfolk, Virginia beach. What? Hampton Roads. Hampton that's Roads that's where I'm from, man. I was born really? at Virginia beach too. Yeah. I lived all over the world, but I was born at Virginia beach and I went to high school in Virginia beach. What high school did you go to? Callum. Oh, crazy. Did you go to high school there too? I was over on, I was over on the peninsula. Oh, okay. Um, I went, okay. I went to tab Tab high school. Yeah. I know tab. Yeah. yeah. Dude, that's crazy. I had no idea. I, I thought you were a Midwestern guy. Nah, man. I, I spent my whole life pretty much in Virginia, but once I got into my professional kind of Spartan race career, I decided to move away and, and relocate to a place that was more conducive for training you know, mountains, altitude. So I moved out West back in the early 2010s. And I've just been, yeah, just been out, out West ever since, you know, I make, I make my way back to Virginia every now and again, but um, yeah, Colorado's home now. Dude, that's so cool. I'm in Northern Virginia now. My, uh, we're going to Virginia beach though this weekend. That's funny because it's my mom's birthday at the time of this, this podcast anyway, but yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. I, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And I, I grew up to answer your question. I grew up doing like all sports. I mean, I played soccer, basketball, football, tennis, like everything. When I was young, my dad was, it was right when like road racing five K's and stuff were like taking off in the eighties and stuff like eighties, like early nineties. Like my dad was doing all these, you know, half marathon and marathon races. And then they'd always have like a five K fun run or a one mile fun run for like the little kids to do. So that was kind of where my whole athletic career started was like age four, age five, going with my dad to these like road races and, and doing you know, the little five K fun runs. Mm. And then with my dad being a runner kind of gravitated towards that, obviously, because it was something that we did together growing up. Like I remember being age five, six, seven, just like going on runs with my dad, 
like through the neighborhoods. And then he was, before I was born, my dad was really into bodybuilding. He was actually Mr. Virginia back in like the seventies. Um, my dad was just like ripped at Jack, like had just an incredible physique. Um, and then he got into arm wrestling and became a world champion in arm wrestling. This was all before I was born, but that strength piece that it kind of makes sense. Why I, I love doing strength training is I think it's just in my blood. Dad did it. Um, and then when I was born, he was into running. So I got into running. So it's crazy that now there's, there's a sport where these two worlds can kind of exist together. Because I think in the past, it's, you've almost had to choose one or the other. You either got to go be a runner or you're going to go be a gym rat. But I think the cool thing with hybrid racing is you can do both. Like why set limitations upon yourself? Why be like, oh, I'm too big to be a good runner or, you know, vice versa in the gym. So that's kind of where, where my fitness journey started. And it's just been evolving literally my entire life. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cause I know a lot of guys and I think especially like a guy like me who was heavy into bodybuilding for a while. And now I was like wanting, I enjoy athletics, but kind of like you said, you always think like, well, I have to be a full-time runner if I want to do these things really well. Right. If I want to go mm-hmm. compete, I'd have to basically lose all my muscle, go run miles and miles and miles. And like, that's just the whole idea, at least initially. But then they create things like this. Even Spartan races, I would say, give you more of a chance to be a hybrid type of athlete yeah. that gets to do the best of both worlds. But that's interesting because a lot of the guys I know mm-hmm. or I've talked to in the sport come from like a heavy, heavy run background, like cross country, you know, heavy into marathons, that kind of stuff. It sounds like you were more diverse and what you started with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was more diverse, but it, early on, it definitely favored the running side. That was my identity growing up, you know, teenager, high school, and then, you know, went on a college scholarship for running ran track oh, really? field and cross country. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So it was big time, like runner focused. It wasn't until after college that I really started dabbling more into the bodybuilding and, and powerlifting stuff. You know, I started asking my dad some, some stuff about training and how to get just like super jacked and ripped and found out that I really, cause when I was a kid and my dad had a full, we had a garage with all my equipment, but growing up, my dad also had a garage full of iron and I'd go in there and play around, but I never really did any lifting. It was just kind of like there. And I just wanted to pick something up. I could go pick it up, but it wasn't until after college where I really started trying to get super strong and found out that I actually had like a passion for hypertrophy training. I liked the way it made me feel. I obviously liked the way it made me look, but there was always a piece of me that loved doing cardio too. So, you know, even when I was doing a ton of bodybuilding work, I was still going for a couple runs every week, no event on the calendar because hybrid racing didn't even exist at the time. So really was just doing that for a couple years. And that was when someone told me about Spartan race and they were like, yo man, like you got to try this obstacle race thing, man. Like you're already a great runner and now you're in the gym lifting weights. Like this could be perfect for you. And one of my buddies told me about it. And two weeks later, I went and did the wintergreen Spartan race, <laughs> which have you done that one? I've never done the wintergreen no. one. No. Okay. So it's, it's one of the top three probably most difficult Spartan courses. And I'm from the flatlands in Virginia. So here I am thinking I'm going to go in and, and kick everyone's butt and went and did my first Spartan race and honestly got my tail waxed. But I knew I could be good if I focused on it. And that's what I did. I went all in on, on Spartan race and eventually made my way onto the Spartan Pro 
team and was traveling around the world doing Spartan races, but it started to lose kind of its juice for me after a while because it, and I, I can't fault them. This is just, you know, how I feel. It started going more towards just like being a good runner. Like if you went and ran and then went to a rock climbing gym, like twice a week, that's really the type of fitness for an obstacle racer. They don't need to be doing freaking power cleans or things of that nature. So I found like all my training, just, I was doing so much running and I was getting so exhausted doing the same stuff like every single week. And it wasn't until 2019, like right before COVID hit where this whole new sport came from the ashes. It was right after Spartan world championships in 2019. Somebody told me that this company high rocks was putting on an event in Miami. And I was like, okay, what is that? And I looked more into it. And it was like, okay, you're going to run a thousand meters and then you're going to go do fitness station and you're going to repeat that for a total of eight times. And I'm like, like indoors and like, man, this is freaking sweet. Like this is kind of what I've been looking for all along. So basically, yeah, like right when COVID hit that, that first year was a little funky just because the whole world didn't really know what was going to happen. But ever since then it's taken off and it's allowed me, I don't know, like I was just burned out on OCR. And this whole new sport has rejuvenated my, my spirit and my love for competing and training. And I think just because it really, like, I love going on a trail run and I love going to the gym equally. I don't really like one more than the other. So the fact that I don't have to give up, you know, one or the other with hybrid training is super exciting. Like I'm never bored with training. I feel like I'm always training something new just because, I mean, if you look at DecaFit, you've got 10 zones and then you've got the run. That's 11 things you need to work on. Yep. If you look at high rocks, you've got eight fitness zones plus the run. That's nine things you need to work on. So it's not just like going for a run and then going to the rock climbing gym. Like it's, there's just so many things to work on and try to get better at. And it's just super exciting, man. And I, I honestly feel, I'm sure you feel the same way, man. It's like, why couldn't this have, this sport come around when I was like 17, 18 years old? Cause now I'm in my mid thirties and it's like, there's a shelf life here on, on how far I can really push this thing, but I feel good right now. And I, I think maybe as I get older, I didn't think that this would ever be something that I, that motivated me to keep at it. But I think that I want to try to be an example for older people that, you know, if you're in your forties, you can still freaking be a badass athlete. You know, people talk about retirement. It's like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to retire because I just love it too much. There might come a time when I do it at a less competitive level, but waking up every day and, and either going for a run or lifting weights or combining the two together, that's just embedded in who I am. And I don't think even if you took the competition off the table that I would stop waking up every day to train. So I think I'm going to set like a goal that like at age 50, I'm going to get on like a deck of fit podium or something like that. So we'll age see, man. 60, just, man. 60 you'd be you'd still be up there yeah so I, I don't know man it's super fun right now and i'm i'm loving I, I spent most of this past year training for high rocks world championships and it kind of ran me into the dirt a little bit and it's been fun to totally shift my focus to like deca pit for a couple months a similar event but actually very very different and how you would go about training for something like that. So I really think the two companies, like, yeah, they're in competition against one another, but I think they complement one another also like really, really well. I agree. Yeah. And I think what you said really is going to resonate with a lot of people who listen to our show because I'm in my late 30s and I have two boys ages 8 and 
2006 and life starts to get really busy, but you still have that drive to, especially if you're like a former athlete or you know, like every guy needs an adventure, right? Like every, every guy needs something to get them out of bed, to go and chase physically, I think in their day to day, even if they won't admit it, like there's that piece of you that just needs that, like that adventure. And I think you being a dad too, cause you have a, you have a young son, right? How old's your son? Yeah. 19 months. So a little <laughs> over one and a half. Yes. Yeah, so you're like in the yeah. thick of things, man. Like, yeah. so you have a full-time career, not to mention you're a full-time athlete, you're married, you have a, a young kid, like, yeah. And, and you're in your third mid thirties. Like you're the shining example of what's possible, you know, it may be at an elite level, but like, there's no reason that you have to like quit on pursuing a new goal, right. Or a new physical challenge. These are opportunities now for guys like us who want to keep, keep the juice going as long as we can, you know, drink from the fountain of youth as long as possible. These are the arenas that we get to do it. In, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I had a lady yesterday send me an Instagram message. I don't know if she'll listen to this podcast, but she, she sent me a message. It was in kind of my hidden, my hidden folder. And I opened it up and read it. It basically said that there was no way that I could have a full-time career and be as high of level athlete as I am. She's like, there's no way. There's no way. And I just responded. I was like, why, why not? Why is this so foreign to you that like you can have a full-time job and a family and and still compete and at a very high level. I yeah, the fact that she thought it was just like this impossible thing. I'm like, is that really what the world views? Once you have your family and your job, like all of a sudden you can't chase other things. I don't know. For me, it's just like, I don't even think about it. Like I wake up every day before everyone else is awake. And, and I get in training because I enjoy it and it's what I want to do. But yeah, it just got me thinking. I'm like, man, is this kind of how everyone, you know, not everyone, but a majority of people think where kind of think maybe they're chasing dreams and chasing goals and things like that is over once you get a little older and you start your family and you get your career. But I don't think it has to be that way. And, you know, if I can be an example for somebody, you know, I'm happy to be that. I will say it's not easy. There are days when I am just so, I'm stressed out, man. Like I've never, dealt with just like stress or anxiety. I mean, I guess there were like little signs there growing up, but it never was to the point where I couldn't just deal with whatever I was dealing with. But in this three year stretch where I have been balancing all of these different things, I've noticed like stress levels increase exponentially. There's some anxiety there and it's hard. Like it is hard. Like if this is something you choose to do, it's not going to be an easy path. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. You're going to probably feel sleepy sometimes, but it's doable. You know, it's doable. And if it's important to you, you'll make time for it. Yeah. I'm I'm curious to know, because I think there are a lot of people out there who put self-limiting beliefs on themselves. And a lot of it is because they look around and they see, you know, environment as everything. And they see other people who have given up on these goals or don't even contemplate the notion that it's possible. And they just adopt that similar belief, just like anything else. Like, you know, just the standard, you know, way of living is what they should fall in line and do. But I'm curious to know, how do you do it? (laughs) You know, cause like you, you have a lot going on. You know, I'm, I'd love to hear, and I know everybody else would love to hear like, what is a day in the life of someone like yourself to be able to perform on all fronts, right? Like as a dad, as a husband, as a full-time guy who's now starting, and we haven't even talked about it yet, but starting to coach other people to get them to do this stuff and also be the best at what you do. Like you're the best DECA fit and you are one of the best high rocks and sparring racers out there. So like, how, how does it all work? I'd say it's pretty easy, but I, you know, the truth is it's actually pretty complicated. I stay 
extremely organized with my schedule. Every week, I either write it out or type it in my notes. Literally what I have to do every single day. From the moment I wake up, the moment I go to bed, I kind of have yeah, just what I need to get done, either written down on paper or written in my phone somewhere. So I know what tasks I have to do like each day. And that kind of keeps me organized, keeps me straight. But one thing, when our son was born, one thing I told my wife is that I, I didn't want my training. If this was something I was still going to do at a high level, I didn't want my training to get in the way of family. So it was very important to me that I do my training and at a time that it just like wouldn't take priority over hanging out with my little boy. So the really the only way to do that was to wake up pretty much before everyone's awake. You know, I typically during the week I'm I'm up around 4:35 and I basically have until about 7:30 every morning to just do whatever I need to do. If that's a 10-mile run and, you know, bicep curls afterwards or something like like I have that morning window where I'm going to get everything I need to get done. Whereas in the past, you know, maybe I'll go for my run in the morning and then at night I'll go back to the gym or or something like that. Now it just kind of gets done at one time. Um so it actually it's that's been super helpful. But then yeah, once my workout's done, it's hang out with, with Basin for a little bit. If he's up, um, try to get some, some good quality time in with him before I go to work around nine is typically when I go to work. So, you know, once I go into work, it's, I never really know what each day is going to bring as a UPS driver. There might be days when you get off at a normal time, five o'clock, but it's not one of those normal jobs where you clock out at five o'clock, like every single day. It's pretty much whenever your truck is empty, if it's a heavy load that day, you might be out till eight, nine o'clock at night. And you've just had a freaking 12 hour day on top of all the training you did before you even went into work. So you come home that night and you're I mean, you're pretty much exhausted, right? Like, but now you have to just be a dad and be a husband and just wear many different caps, you know, like for me, when I'm training, I'm like, so focused on just training. I'm not thinking about anything else, but the moment I walk into the house, it's almost like I take that athlete cap off and put on my family hat and just being able to compartmentalize the different parts of your day and not try not to be thinking about like, Oh, like I've got this workout to do on Tuesday when you're like trying to spend time with your family, just really try to be in present and like whatever you're doing, do what you need to do and then move on to the next, to the next thing. And it's been a work in progress. I'd say the first, you know, six months to a year, we're just trying to find that, that routine, right. That just works best. And I think I've gotten to the point where I've got it dialed in a little bit. Typically on my weekends, I would like to go and get into the mountains and run some, some good trails. And that's when I'll, I'll bring the family out. You know, we bought like a big backpack where you can put the baby in it. He can come hiking with us too. So finding ways to integrate your family into your training too, I found has like been super helpful. That way, if you try to scoot away for a couple hours to go for a run in the mountains and then you come home and you've been gone half the day, like that's not cool. So yeah, just trying to find ways to structure your training in a way that maybe you can get your, your family involved too. And yeah, everybody's going to be a little bit different, but I think I found what works best for me. How important would you say is spousal support and buy-in to what you're doing? Because you know, I'm married. My wife's not obsessed with races <laughs> like I am. She loves no, fitness. No, no. She loves working out, but she likes it for like health. You know, I just want to be healthy, look good, you know, the standard like, you know, stuff. But she looks at me like I'm a crazy person with all these races. She loves it. She loves watching it. She likes supporting me. But how important though is it to have the buy-in from your spouse? It's huge. <laughs> like it's so huge because I mean the reality of the situation is she's gonna have to pick up more slack. 
if this is like something I'm going to pursue, like this isn't some like even 50, 50 kind of deal. There might be days where I take more of the workload and, and she takes a little bit less, but she's just been Sarah, my wife, she's been phenomenal. I think one thing she recognizes is that doing this training, racing, it makes me happy. She knows that I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. I'm a better at literally everything. If I'm able to get my training in every day and know that I have a goal on the table. So I, she knows that if she were to try to take that away from me, that I'm just not going to be the best version of myself. And then she also knows that I'm not going to be able to compete at the level that I'm at forever. So she sort of just has to put up with me doing this till kind of, I start declining a little bit, but yeah, this isn't competing at a super high level might not be something I'm going to do forever. So she just wants me to push the limits and, and see what's possible during this time where I am still pretty young and I'm fit. And I think she wants to see what I'm capable of too. So she's been phenomenal. I understand that there might be a lot of relationships out there that don't have that you know same support as I do. And I guess I'm just, it just makes me feel grateful. And I, I try to let her know all the time. I mean, even coming out here and doing this podcast with you, like she's in there, you know, looking after Basin and what she knows that this is kind of what comes with the territory right now. And it's been good, man. It's been good. Like, honestly, I think our relationship has actually gotten stronger through this process, trying to balance and everything, because we're always communicating with each other about like, Oh, you got to, you're doing this. So I'll, I'll do that. You know? So it's actually been a cool way for us to kind of bond on a different level. Yeah. I, I love what you said about, she realizes this is what brings out the best in you, you know, on all fronts. I think that spouses, men or women tend to get on board when they see, you know, we're, we're naturally, I mean, in a good way, selfish isn't a bad word when you use it in this context where part of being in a relationship is like, Hey, what, what do I get out of being with this person? Right. And you get the best of them. What gets them at that best state? You know, I think about that with my wife all the time. Like, <laughs> you know, if I, send her out for like a, a, not send her out, like I'm letting her out, but like supporting her. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to out myself here on my own podcast that, uh, you know, supporting her going and doing like a girl's dinner or like a spa with the girls or whatever it is that recharges her batteries. Yep. You know, we're, we're nuts. Like when we say, Oh yeah, going and doing a deck of mile or a deck of fit recharges my batteries. People might look at you like you have two heads, right? Like, what are you talking about? Like, aren't you exhausted? It's like, no, I, I literally feel alive after that. Mm -hmm. you know, like, I literally am in the best mood possible after I go and spend 30 minutes huffing and puffing and trying to convince myself not to quit, you know, like it's the best. So that's incredible that she realizes that. Cause that's, I think that's oftentimes a missing piece in any transformation process for someone who's trying to get more into fitness period is, you know, they worry about their spouse buy-in, but when their spouse sees how great of a person you become or how much you level up because of fitness, man, it changes their perspective on things, which is tremendous. So we've discussed offline, you, you starting to help people with doing these hybrid events. I think it's phenomenal. I mean, you're the best at it, so you should be sharing your knowledge. So I'd love to put on your coaching hat for a minute. And I want to talk about how to get ready for these type of events, right? Like if you're working out and you go, yeah, it sounds cool. I kind of want to want to test the waters, right? I want to jump into some of these things. They look fun. What would be a starting plan for someone who's trying to get into these these races, these hybrid style events. Like what were we talking about? Like beginner, beginner? I think if we look at the demographic of someone of like a typical person who does these type of events or wants to jump into them. Personally, I think it's usually someone who maybe has been working out for a period of time. They've maybe lost some weight and they get to a point where they're like, okay, I've gotten in a little better shape, but I've never, I've never tested my body. I don't know what I'm capable of now. Could I go out and do something like this? And they kind of they wonder. And so they want to get 
at least enough ready for it to where they don't jump in and like pull a hamstring or <laughs> do something to sabotage their whole routine. But how would you start working with someone like that to get them prepared for, let's just, I guess we start with Deca fit. That's probably the, I think the best one for people to start with. I would say just like not really having any expectations in your first event. It's like maybe finding a friend to go and do this with and test the waters. As you know, the components of Deca fit, it's not CrossFit, right? There's not these complicated movements that you have to do. I mean, a four-year-old could go do a Deca fit. That's just the reality of the situation. But depending on fitness level, I mean, you could go walk. You could walk the whole thing and be done in, in 90 minutes. It's not something that's going to you know take a ton of time. You're not going to get dirty, muddy, cut up or anything along those lines. But if you wanted to take that step into just like trying to progress, there's obviously going to have to be some sort of structure in your training. The advanced to elite athlete is obviously going to have a much different structure versus like the beginner athlete, whereas like maybe the elite athlete is, he's just going to be specific to the event. And maybe the beginner, we just like, just get them comfortable with moving through space. You know, even if they just want to do a mile walk jog every day and then come back and do a few burpees or just something to kind of just get them moving and, and get them going. And you can slowly implement the components of the race over time. But I think in the beginning that you should just get them comfortable with just exercising. It doesn't have to be this complicated structured program. Maybe it could evolve into something, but I think in the beginning, it's just like, let's get them moving. Let's get them doing some exercises, nothing too complicated, build up their confidence, you know, maybe plug in some little tests in there that make them feel like they, they are getting better and it's worth keeping on, keeping on, and then just see where it goes from there. It doesn't need to be this super complicated thing. They don't want it to be. So yeah, like I said, if, if you're looking to get started in a DECA fit competition and, and maybe your experience in fitness is like zero, that's okay. We'll get you started. We'll go for a walk around the block and then we'll come back in and we'll do some sit-ups and, and push-ups and you know eventually you'll get to where you know you're doing reverse lunges and box jumps step overs and all this kind of stuff but you know we can take this from the ground level and you know really build it into a, you know, a skyscraper if you want it to be I love that, dude. I think that's phenomenal coaching and direction, especially because I think when people look at anything that is a relatively large task that maybe they haven't done before, it feels like they got to eat an elephant, right? It's like, how am I ever going to tackle this thing? How am I going to climb what to them might feel like Mount Everest? But it literally, it's just one foot in front of the other, <laughs> one bite at a time. I mean, you know, I love to walk around the block, come back and do some crunches. Like to me, it's like, dude, that feels so accessible, but it's very relatable to those events too, right? Where that's what you're going to be doing. <laughs> you're going to take a walk or a jog or maybe a run at some point around, and then you're going to come back and you're going to do some, some sit-ups and then you're going to do something else. Like that makes so much sense. So I know a lot of guys that I'll speak for myself, selfishly, I'll pick your brain. <laughs> I, I think the big thing that people get intimidated by with these events is the running, especially I have no running background besides sprints, sprinted for football, I sprinted for baseball. And that was it. That was like my running. So, you know, over the years, similar to you, I got into Spartan and I somehow lucked my way into a top three placing my first ever Spartan race. I have no idea. I, I probably just ran on a day where, you know, nobody ran. <laughs> it was just pure luck. And then the next time I got my butt kicked like royally, but I've fallen in love with it. But now I've realized, you know, my biggest weakness is not the stations. My stations, that's my wheelhouse. That's where I thrive. That's my strength. But the running, that's where I either do okay or just completely sabotage the race, right? 
How do you coach someone into becoming a better runner? What's your take on improving running period? Well, I mean, it's going to obviously start with, with the fundamentals. Um, we're not going to do any exciting workouts that you might think you're going to be doing, at least not in the beginning. You know, science and, and running has taught us that you have to spend a time doing nothing but easy running to basically just evolve your aerobic system. Some people like myself, I've spent my entire life building my aerobic system. Um, so somebody who's just coming into this, I mean, you're going to see potential gains, but like, this is a constantly evolving thing and we need to take it step by step by step. And, and the first step in becoming a better runner is just running at an easy pace. And when I say easy, this needs to be something where like you, you and I could go out for a jog and we could have a full on conversation while we're doing it. And you need to spend some time doing that. You might get that urge to just like, let's go to the track and rip some 400s or something like that. But if we want to follow the appropriate steps and kind of evolving your running ability, um, there has to be that time where what we like to call the base phase, where we're just building our aerobic engine. And that could mean running every day. That could mean running every other day. That could mean running twice a week, wherever you're at is, is where we can start. But yeah, you really just have to go through the steps and, you know, the spicy fun stuff comes a little bit later, but the cool thing about DecaFit is there are these other components to it as well. So like running is important, but doing strength and, and Metcon stuff is almost equally important. I mean, if you look at DecaFit, I'm going to use my time as an example in Chicago, I did 29, I think 40 something was my time. 18 minutes of that was running and about 11 was station work. So there's a little, there's a, it's a little skewed, skewed. How do you say that word? Skewed, yeah. <laughs> skewed to the, the running side, right? Just by a little bit. I'd say it's maybe 60, 40, 65, 35, you know, depending on the individual. So, you know, if you're trying to improve your running while also getting better at, you know, something like a DecaFit, first thing is kind of get an idea of how long each one's going to take you and then cater your training around something like that. So like, for example, a deck a mile, totally flip-flops. Whereas like in deck of fit, the running is kind of 60, 40, but then you get into a deck a mile and it's almost like 70, 30 station work to run time. So training for a deck a mile would be slightly different than, you know, somebody training for a deck of fit, but yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's a complicated sport because you do need to improve your running. You do need to get good at doing the zones, but then you also have to find a way to blend the two together at some point. And, you know, a lot of people might have the ingredients on, you know, how to do this, but it's how you put the ingredients in, right? Like you do one before the other, like the whole meal gets messed up. So it's putting everything in at the right place in the right time. And if running only is something you want to get better at, maybe go find a run coach. I will say coaching that I'm going to offer is going to be strictly hybrid focused. This is DECA strong, DECA mile, DECA fit, and high rocks. Those four things. If you want to do a Spartan race, you reach out to me. I, I can point you in the right direction and get you in touch with somebody. If you want to become a better runner, you know, just running, I can put you in, in contact with somebody that can help you in that arena. 
But what I really want to focus on is that hybrid athlete who wants to go for a run, but also wants to lift some weights and, and do some other fun kind of spicy things where we maybe blend the two together. That's what I'm going to be focused on, focusing on is just trying to create more well-rounded athletes and individuals and trying to let people know that, you know, the world's kind of put us in this box of like, you kind of have to be one or the other. And, you know, I want to let people know that and I'm not the only one. There's tons of people, there's high rocks, there's decafit. These events are coming out, letting us know that like, Hey, we value being well-rounded. We value somebody who has endurance. We value somebody who has strength. And that's just super exciting. And uh, I'm just, I'm thankful that a sport like this exists because it really kind of identifies with who I am as a person. And I think I'm just at the point in my life and in my career where I'm ready to kind of share all the knowledge that I've built up from a little boy until now and all the resources I've had over the years and some of the things maybe I do a little bit differently than others. Just trying to find a way to give back to the community and, and share all the stuff that I've been fortunate enough to experience and just share that with others. And I'm super excited about it, man. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think we're at the precipice of this new wave that I think will be a permanent wave. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think that hybrid style fitness, personally, if I'm just you know speaking freely, I think it's the best form of fitness because if you look at every, you know, and not to knock on anything, I've done bodybuilding, individual sports, you know, there's a lot of different cool stuff out there. But usually what you find, and I found this with Spartan, I love Spartan. I'll always jump into a couple Spartans a year for fun, but you start to realize that you're missing something and not just, not just missing something mentally, but like literally for me, like I stopped strength training enough when I was doing Spartan. Like you said, I was just trying to run like all the time. And I started getting hurt. <laughs> Probably because my running form is subpar, but I realized, man, my strength is starting to suffer. And then, you know, with things like bodybuilding, you know, my heart health wasn't as great as it should be. I couldn't go run a mile without being like completely out of breath. I'm like, that's, that's insane. Like that's something that every man should be able to do, at least in my opinion. So with this, I went and got my health markers checked recently. And my doctor was like, what have you been doing? Because this is literally according to your history, the healthiest you've ever been. And I'm like, well, I started doing this hybrid stuff. You know, I run a little bit strength a little bit, you know, then I do some recovery and it all kind of flows together. It's the best. And I think that just for that reason enough alone, like this stuff is going to really catch on in a huge way. We haven't even seen because of COVID because of other factors, we haven't even seen this completely take over, which I think it will. So you being the best of your sport, you're totally right. You have to give back. <laughs> you got to share with us your yeah. knowledge. Yeah. And, and I think the cool thing with hybrid racing too, is if you look at DecaFit and you look at high rocks, nothing in there is like, there's no movement or exercise that's likely going to get you hurt. Right. Whereas in CrossFit, there are some movements where if you don't have years and years of experience, like you go throw up a barbell snatch or something like that, you're going to, you might pull something. Right. So the simplicity of this stuff, it's just, you're lunging, you're pushing, you're pulling. It's just this basic fundamental movements that literally everyone can do. And, you know, I was watching, I don't know if you saw that high rocks documentary. That got I did. Yeah. Out. You were, you were in it. That was awesome. <laughs> I was, I was. Yeah. And, uh, I read some of the comments on YouTube, right. I, I kind of wanted to see what viewers thought of it. If they thought it was a good product. I've obviously got my opinion. I thought it was good. I thought they were trying to explain a little bit too much in that documentary, but overall I thought it was a good product. Somebody in the comments was saying like, Oh, so this is CrossFit basically stole, <laughs> you stole CrossFit. 
And I was just thinking, I didn't, I don't have a YouTube account, so I can't like comment or anything like that. But I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, go bring a CrossFitter into this hybrid arena. You ask Matt Frazier, you ask Justin Medeiros, you ask Tia Claire Toomey if this is CrossFit. I promise you they will say it's nothing like CrossFit. It's a completely different arena. And I think a lot of people think that the hybrid space is, it's like, oh, it's basically CrossFit, but with more running. It's not like that at all. Like it's, it's completely different. And I think it's cool. And I think all of us can evolve and exist in this fitness space together. It's so important though, in the same token to appreciate comments like that, because it clues us in on how the general public or even some of the general fitness crew perceives this stuff, right? And perception is reality for people. So it's vital for someone like yourself, at least in my opinion, to continue to lead from the front and be vocal about what this is and what this isn't. Because I think, just truth be told, I think CrossFit did a lot for fitness in the sense that it opened up people's eyes to other modalities, how to combine things, not always safely in my opinion. I mean, it's definitely an advanced sport at its highest level, just like most sports. But what this is, is, is first of all, it's not CrossFit, but it does bring in some of the excitement that maybe CrossFit started to bring in, right? It does bring in some of the eye-opening or mind expansion that comes from combining different fitness modalities. So I think when people say that, what they're really saying, in my opinion, is like, oh, this is something that's out of my comfort zone. Right. Cause they're like, Oh, it's just CrossFit. Like, Oh, I can't do CrossFit or CrossFit's right. too crazy, too hardcore, you know? And it's just their internal voice being like, dude, you, you know, you, you can't do that. So what this to me does is like, say, Hey, this is like, once again, an opportunity to get more people in to experience this. Cause I've brought clients, like I brought in Chicago, I brought a bunch of clients to do the race. And, you know, afterwards they were like, where do I sign up for the next one? Like everybody, you know, they were addicted because it is that accessible for even just the everyday person who maybe goes to the gym. Like it's totally something that anybody, even my kids, as soon as they start doing kid events, like I'm totally getting my boys into it. I mean, this is like, like literally, I want my kids to do deck of fit right now. Like it's, I think they could totally do it. So the last thing I want to wrap up with, I, I only ask champions in their sport this question because I've interviewed UFC champion Frankie Edgar. I've interviewed Medal of Honor winner Dakota Meyer. And I always want to know, what is your mindset when you go into your arena, right? When you step on that starting line and you're going after whatever your next level is in your in your focus, like in your head, what is your mindset? Like, what does it feel like to be in the mind of someone who is winning these things all the time? Like, what does that feel like? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't want to make it seem like I do win all the time. I have taken many L's in, in my I've life. never seen um, you lose a deck of fit, but we'll just... <laughs> I, I, I am undefeated. I am undefeated in deck of fit, but I did lose the High Rocks World Championships earlier this year, which kind of put me in a bad way for a little bit just because, man, I had sacrificed a lot to get ready for that race. And it was win or bust, in my opinion, even though I'm going against Hunter. I had beaten Hunter in Chicago, so confidence was obviously you know, super high. But I caught that L. And for me, it's sometimes you do need to lose, right? Kind of keep that fire burning, that stoke going. This has been something that's evolved since I was a kid. I've, I've always had people doubt me, saying I can't do things. You're too lazy. You're this, you're that. And believe it or not, like I've, even in school, like I've had teachers be like, not come out and basically say I'm dumb or I'm stupid, but just like, yeah, like, I don't know. 
just, I've had people just say things over the course of my life that have really propelled me to just really keep at it. And, you know, when I'm on the start line at an event, I can't lie and say that some of those thoughts over the years don't creep up in my mind. And I'm like, you know what, this is your opportunity right here to prove everybody wrong. This is it, man. You've worked your butt off. Now it's time to go out and do this damn thing. And another cool thing about this sport is I'm sure it's with a lot of sports. We're all friends. You know, when you're lining up on a start line and you're just a freaking lion ready to go, but you got your buddy next to you, you know, Nick Riker, I've got, you know, Rich Ryan, I've got Glenn Race, these other superstar athletes who, you know, I could go and have a, a beer with and, and shoot the shit, but now I'm trying to rip their head off. And it's interesting because, you know, you want to have that competitive drive to just like run them into the ground. But at the same time, you're like, man, this guy's kind of my friend. So just being able to find a way to flip that switch, I think has been just like super important for me. Like knowing, you know, when I'm on the line with Hunter and, and Rich and some of these other great phenomenal athletes, you know, when you step on that line, it, it's time to go to war. I don't know if you've ever seen me. Sometimes I freaking take my hand out. I'm just slapping myself in the face, just being like game face. Let's freaking go. Like, you know, a couple face slaps, get into the zone and and then go at it. But Never am I on the line just kind of like, oh, like, let's see how this thing goes. Like, it's like, no, I'm going to go grab this thing by the, by the horns and I'm going to control this race. I'm the best athlete here. I'm going to make them do what I want them to do. I um, mean, there's no malicious intent to that mentality. It's just like, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to beat you. That's within obviously the rules. I'm not going to go push anybody off the course or trip anyone, but yeah. I mean, it's just, you have to be a killer, right? There might be that anomaly out there who is just like the most friendliest, kindest person at the line. And he's also super dominant, but you know, more times than not, like you need a little arrogance to you. You need a little cockiness, um, something that just is really going to make you feel like you can do anything. And I get a lot of my, my confidence just through my training. You know, if I've had a good training block and I line up on that start line, it's a wrap, man. Like I already know I'm like, I got this, but if training hasn't gone really according to plan, that's when those doubts kind of can creep in at the start line. And you might think like, man, am I, am I ready for this? Oh, I didn't, oh, I got sick that one week and missed those two workouts. I'd really like would have liked to have done. And those doubts will creep in if you haven't done the right training, but more times than not, I never skip a day. Even if I'm feeling like crap, I typically always try to get it in, even if it's not going to be to the standard I want it to be. So yeah, a lot of my confidence and mentality towards it really just comes from the training that I do. Love it, man. What's your next big target? I know you said West Palm. Are you doing the world championships in Lang City? Yeah, I'll be in West Palm next weekend. Going to try to set a new record there. Training's been going good. I had this heel thing pop up after Chicago. I didn't know if it was plantar fasciitis, but I had to buy like super cushiony shoes just to be able to go for a run. And it hasn't like hindered me really at all. I've been able to do everything I need to do, but it's just been kind of in the back of my mind where I have to be like, okay, like I'm going to the track. I'd really like to put on my race shoes and do some good stuff, but maybe I leave on my big clunky hokas and do it just to you know protect that foot. And, um, but I'm feeling good, feeling fit for that. And then I will take a little downtime in September to kind of reset. And then I think in October is when I'll start ramping up again for the world championships. So that could fit world championships in November which should be super fun, man. I'm, I'm super excited about that. And I don't know if I have anything else popping up. There's a few little things. There's like a Spartan stadium that I might dip into, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. That's kind of what's, what's next on the horizon. Awesome. Yeah. Just don't do the deck of mile championships. Cause I, I still want to have like a top five shot. 
I'm going for the triple crown, baby. I knew you'd say that. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 I'm finding that it's actually, if you are somebody who's wanting to train for Deca strong Deca mile and Deca fit at the same time, I'm more than willing to help someone in that particular situation because I'm, I'm in it myself. Mm. And it's interesting. You have to put your training block. You have to design it in a way that is just, there's just so many different moving pieces because it's different when you get that run break in between the zones. It's different when you get a 500 versus 160. And then there's obviously a difference when you don't get any and you're going from station to station to station. So being able to train these basically three different races at the same time, it's super fun and it's always exciting to train for. And I think I have a chance. I think I have a chance. There's some really great guys out there doing the deck of strong that have beaten my times for sure. But We'll see what happens come world championships. And again, I know we, we talked about the coaching thing. If you guys wanted to check that out, go to trainmorehybrid.com is the official website. Uh, we had a couple different names that we wanted to go with. And one of them was actually, he wanted to charge us like a thousand bucks to like take his name that he had, which was kind of unfortunate. But yeah, trainmorehybrid.com is kind of where you can go and check it out. The website is a work in progress but you can still kind of go on there and and see what we offer and see if it's a good fit for you. If you dropped the top 10 like race prep tips from Brian Kent or something like that and gave it away for free, you'd probably have a thousand people raise their hand and say, Hey, I need, I need to learn more from you like immediately. So just, just keep that in mind (laughs) because I can already tell we're going to have a lot of people lining up to work with the best man, trainmorehybrid.com. Okay. I'm, I'm on it because I am determined to get better. You know, what was funny is we wanted trainhybrid.com, but it was already taken. There was another name too that we really liked, but train hybrid was taken. So we had to come up with something else. And the more that I kind of am warming up to the train more hybrid, I sort of feel like it pushed us in that direction. And it honestly makes more sense, right? Because yeah, like we're not saying just like train hybrid. We're just saying like, come train, train more hybrid. You know, we're not forcing it upon anybody. It's, you know, if if you are a runner, if you are somebody who goes to the gym, but you're kind of avoiding one or the other, well, we invite you to come train more hybrid where we're going to do a little bit of both and have a lot of fun doing it. So, dude, I think the name is literally perfect, especially for people out there who are just kind of exploring this or this just came across their radar. People never want to be told what to do. They want to be encouraged and shown different paths. And I think it's the perfect segue into opening up new avenues for people to experience fitness. Just a little more hybrid training. It'll be something in your your bag of tools that you can pull from whenever you want to do these races. And I I think it's perfect, man. So yeah, train hybrid is too intimidating. <laughs> right. Train more hybrid is like, oh yeah, okay. I can do a little more hybrid work. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. I love it, dude. The marketer in me is like super pumped about that. That's awesome. Um <laughs> Cool. So trainmorehybrid.com and uh, West Palm is your next race. And then Atlantic City. And are you doing High Rocks in New York or no? I think maybe Chicago, not New York, but I, I'm warming up to Chicago. is kind of like my last big effort before Deca Fit World Championships. Beautiful, man. Well, I'll, I'll probably catch you then in a couple of those. I might do High Rocks, Chicago, and I'm definitely doing World Championships in uh, Atlantic City for the Deca Mile. And we'll see if I can get another qualification, but... Yeah, man. That'll be awesome. Cool. I'm super pumped. Dude, thanks so much for doing this, bro. Like you are yeah, uh, you're a stud, man. Really enjoy your uh, your content and really enjoy watching you race. Um, I will say I've done a lot of film study on you. 
<laughs> to learn how to do these things better. It's helped me tremendously with form and all that stuff, man. So appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. It's been a good time. Thanks for listening to the True Transformation Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave us um, a review. A review. Come back next time.